2: I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week. Also, later in the show, we will be joined by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. Well, my highlight of the week is that the month of October has arrived. One of the two best sports months of the year, along with April. And it's why I'm feeling a little bleary-eyed today, because I stayed up last night to watch both the Arizona State Upset, excuse me, Arizona, University of Arizona Upset over Oregon, the number two team in the country. It was awesome, and it went till after 1 a.m. here on the East Coast. But it was easy to stay up, because on the other channel was... Kansas City Royals uh, beating the California Angels in uh, a bit of a shocker, and just reflective of the week we've had. Uh, the fact that it's October as we speak, there's a baseball playoff game on, and uh, Baltimore Orioles, Detroit Tigers from Camden Yards, place that I've been to, so I can. Uh, Feel the energy, and in fact, the Orioles just hit a two-run homer, so they're up 2-0 off uh, Justin Verlander. But, speaking of another city, Kansas City, what a week in sports it's been, starting with the Chiefs demolition of the Patriots on Monday night, more on that later, but really, the true highlight of the highlights of the week was obviously the Kansas City Royals one-game playoff victory over the Oakland A's. One of the greatest baseball games ever played, without a doubt. Wonderful to watch. It was, What a way to kick off the baseball postseason. There was never a moment in that game where it looked like Kansas City would win until they won in the 12th inning. They just kept fighting back, fighting back. John Lester, someone I know well from watching him here up in Boston for many years with the Red Sox, one of the top postseason pitchers in history. He left with a 7-3 lead. What else can you say? He uh, Granted, he left a couple of runners on base, but he got them to a 7-3 lead, uh, and they couldn't hold it. So it was just... Uh, Um, An amazing game to watch. The bunts, the steals, the small ball. Just all the things that uh, basically Billy Bean, GM of the A's, invented or is credited with. And to see it done with him and then have it happen against John Lester. Of course, Billy Bean in a departure last July 31st, trading deadline. Finally went for it all and gave up uh, Cespedes, his uh, cleanup hitter, uh, went for pitching, which he felt was the one ingredient missing from the A's and why they had not won any uh, won in the postseason uh, with the low salaries and whatnot. Uh, Just the ironies to all of this are endless, to say the least. I, one thing that was denied was the possibility of a a Bay Area World Series, i.e. San Francisco against Oakland, but we're still sitting on a couple opportunities here with the Beltway Series looming down in D.C. with the Orioles and the Nationals, Freeway Series possible with the Angels and the Dodgers. Any or all of them would be great theater. Speaking of San Francisco, that leads right into my low light of the week, which is the Pittsburgh Pirates not showing up uh, for their one-game playoff. As you loyal listeners know, I grew up in the Pittsburgh area. I grew up watching the Pirates and literally in Forbes Field a couple stadiums ago. I've been to PNC Park, and we've been... All Pirate fans, uh, and I just started to wear my hat again last year after 20 consecutive losing seasons. We've been on both sides of the one-game playoff. Last year, it seemed pretty good when they beat the Cincinnati Reds, and the crowd was absolutely off the charts, and the crowd was completely taken out of the game. It felt like the entire season just came down to one swing, which, of course, was the Grand Slam, and it was just... uh, All I can say is, you know, when it was over, pretty much after the Grand Slam, and you knew it was over right then and there, the way Madison Bumgarner was pitching, was, you know, is that it? Just, is that it? Like, just season over uh, on what felt like just one swing. So, you know, the crowd, which was just charged, obviously, from all accounts, Better than last year and last year for that wild card game and then the subsequent series against the Cardinals among the base baseball crowds in history without a doubt. And I know crowds. I've, I I was uh, live about half an hour from Fenway Park, so I've been a bit of Fenway for a lot of big moments and, uh, and including uh, Game 5 ALCS 2004, maybe the greatest sports event I've ever attended, so... But it was just from a pirate perspective, just sad to see it all just end so quickly and, and quietly. You know, they just uh it went from four nothing quickly to seven nothing, the stands are emptying out, and it was just so, so deflating, to put it mildly. Well my bizarre story of the week was the aftermath of the Ryder Cup. Uh Europe did it again, of course. But what I found bizarre was that there was basically no coverage of the event afterwards. Like, I was stunned, and maybe I just missed it, and I saw a little little somethings here and there. But in an overall sense, uh, there was no coverage. Like, it went on till early afternoon on Sunday. I was watching. Weird ending uh, where, you know... It it didn't, there, there wasn't that real, real moment of when they retained the cup. Uh, so it was just like odd in that regard. But then the, just again, there was just no coverage. Uh, you know, I was doing my usual Sunday night thing, Sunday night football, what have you. And it was, I just wasn't seeing it. Maybe I missed it. Uh, same into Monday, you know, it was just like a footnote and given the recent history of the Ryder cup, it was shocking to see, or should I say not to see, uh, just weird. It was like, like it never happened or something, or, you know, we all know it happened, you know, 3000 miles away in Scotland, time differences, all that. But again, um, I was just shocked at the fact that it was not, uh, in any of the sports reporting that I saw on Sunday night and into Monday. I mean, a little bit, but nothing like, you know, what we've seen in past Ryder Cups. I realize that we're in the United States. This happened in Europe. Europe won. But it was just uh, very odd, just very odd, again, especially given, uh, you know, the mega coverage we've had over the course of really the last, 10 12 years. I, yeah, I was there in 99 at the country club when the US pulled the greatest comeback ever, and then of course that was in effect trumped at Medina two years ago when Europe pulled the same comeback down 10 6, but they did it on, uh, on American soil, which made it, you know, uh, a better comeback, quite frankly. US in 99 did it on their home course. So, uh, can't let those. You know, this week passed without just touching on the Patriots-Bengals. I'm, I'm right up here in Boston. I live 20 minutes from Gillette Stadium. One thing is for sure, up here, the Patriots are on to Cincinnati. <laughs> As any of you who saw the Bill Belichick uh, repetitive press conference would agree. Um, going to the game Sunday night, looking forward to it. Uh There's a sense of urgency like I haven't seen. It feels in a crazy kind of way, almost like the Patriots' last stand, uh, so to speak, or should I say the Patriots as we have known them for the past dozen or so years. uh, It feels like it's just all on the line on Sunday night. I'm excited because I think the crowd is going to be like it was in, quote, the old days, back in the early 2000s when the Patriots won three Super Bowls and Gillette Stadium was uh, uh, just as good as it gets with a football crowd. And I and uh, uh, I used to cover the Pittsburgh Steelers back in the Steel Curtain era at the beginning of my career as a journalist. And, uh, you know, Gillette Stadium was in that realm of three rivers uh, back in the day of the Steel Curtain. So uh, I think Sunday night is going to be must-see television everybody's tuned in gonna be tuned in to just see you know what's up with the Patriots you know what do they have left do they have the talent and it's a great opponent coming in obviously undefeated great defense uh, so it's a, it's a very stern test and I think it just shapes up to be one of the better uh, Sunday night games and potential spectacles uh, crowd into it that we've seen in, uh, in New England in a while. So I think it is going to be great. Greater than uh, last night's game. Uh, i, I got to ask, what's up with the NFL Thursday night blowouts? CBS has to just be dying. Uh, they have yet to have anything even resembling a good game in their new package, broadcasting Thursday night games. And, uh, you know, last night, another... Mega blowout. Packers over the Vikings, 42-7, to 7, maybe 42-14, to 14. whatever, doesn't matter. It was 42 nothing. oh, 42 to 10 All <laughs> oh, I know is they rang up 42 in a hurry. So now, as my former co-host, Lemont Williams from outside the huddle, likes to say, it's time to pay some bills, so let's take our break. And next up will be our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine.
3: Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market.
0: Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. It's time
1: to let the ladies do some sports talking around here. The sports girls take over the Voice America Sports Channel every Monday for The Inside Score. Beth Silverberg, Chin Chin Ong, and Stacy DeBerry are here to showcase the athletes, the coaches, and the foundations that change lives. In addition, we'll have a ton of regular features and a featured guest sports girl every week. You'll hear the stories you need to hear from the people that make the difference. The Inside Score is heard every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern or Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now, back to the show.
2: Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports, and I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is one. 888-346-9144 888-346-9144 or you can email me at iir at net. and it's that time of the show and we often have guests and on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. A.P. how are you doing today? Oh doing pretty good John pretty good how are you? I'm doing great thanks for calling in uh, as always and to answer your question how I'm doing, I must admit I'm a slightly bleary-eyed today because I stayed up to about 1.30 in the morning <laughs> watching the massive Arizona upset of Oregon in Eugene. Uh, fabulous game, fabulous ending, uh, shocker to be sure, and uh, what a way to kick off what is clearly the best college football weekend of the year thus far.
4: Yeah, John. It was astounding for Arizona, unranked again this year, to beat Air, Air, um, Oregon for the second time. I, I think it's one of the bigger surprises. I mean, you think you learned a lesson from last year, but uh, Arizona was prepared. They they went on the road and beat a great Oregon player, uh, Marcus Mariota.
2: Yes, it was just uh, you know amazing to see. Uh, When the game first, you know, popped on uh, and they basically immediately talked about how Arizona pretty much, you know, blew them out last year. Blew out Oregon down there in uh, Tucson. You know, my immediate thought, knowing the game was in Oregon, crowd revved up the whole bit, was just basically, well, you know, Oregon's definitely winning this game. I could not have been more wrong, uh, (laughs) you know. Unbelievable ending the way uh, uh, it, the Arizona linebacker stole the ball out of Mark, Marcus Mariotti, Mariota's hands as he was just trying to get away from the rush. And uh, Scooby Doo, I think his name was Scooby, whatever. Uh, <laughs> you know, remarkable play on his part. I guess he also made the play of the game last year. The quarterback for Arizona was amazing. I mean, I realize Marcus Mariota is the the leading candidate for the Heisman. Clearly, that took a hit last night. Um, You know, he got the ball with two minutes to go at home, down seven. You know, a a Heisman, potential Heisman winner. That's the stage. That's the moment. And he not only didn't make it happen, he actually, uh, you know, he turned it over. There's just you know, no way to say it any other way. So, um, but on the other side, that quarterback—I think he was a redshirt freshman—remarkable. What a great game he had!
4: He looked like the Heisman candidate last night, didn't he, John? The way he played—he was really poised. And and I guess before the game, the announcers had spoken to his head coach, and they didn't—and he didn't uh, profess. To, he thought his quarterback was a great runner, but my goodness, he he made a lot of big plays with his legs.
2: Yes, and uh, you know I'm glad you mentioned the head coach. It's it's Rich Rod. It's Rich Rodriguez, someone I've followed closely, given that I used to cover the West Virginia Mountaineers, and he, of course, was their coach, and then went up to Michigan, then down to Arizona, and hey, he's suddenly five and zero. You know, (laughs) what else can you say? First first time since
4: '98, I think Arizona five and zero.
2: Exactly. The guy, he certainly didn't do it in Michigan. Uh, uh, but, you know, all in all, you know, the guy's innovative. He's done some, you know, you know, creative things, a lot of friends, a lot of enemies when it comes to Rich Rod. He's a polarizing figure. But right now he is on top of the college football world, especially with his 5-0 record, beating the number two team in the country. Uh, you know, at this moment in time, his way's working, that's for sure.
4: John, and then they come home next week to face uh, USC at home. Uh, So that'll be a a chance for them to, you know, continue their success because a lot of times teams, when they win a big game, then next week they're a little bit flat. So it'll be a big test to see if they can beat USC at home.
2: Very big test. Um, I just want to quickly insert that the Tigers have just started playing long ball and suddenly have a 5-2 lead uh over the orioles so um just had to interject that Uh, i'm loving the fact that there's postseason baseball on at you know 120 in the afternoon eastern time on a friday or any weekday for that matter so uh i started off the show saying i love this time of year and last night as i'm watching the arizona game i'm of course flipping back to another fascinating game and team the kansas city royals uh you know, shocking, really, The uh, as much as you can shock a team in baseball, but, you know, beating the California Angels in California, that was just fascinating. So it was real fun, you know, at, at midnight, to be switching back and forth between the two games. But luckily, the Orioles game, or excuse me, the Royals game ended with eight minutes to go in the Arizona game, so it was an easy... You know, easy decision to stay up a little longer to watch the end. And, boy, am I glad I did. Uh, One of the more fascinating plays of the game was, you know, the score's tied. Arizona's down around the 20. They get sacked, so they're probably going to have to go for a field goal. But then the Oregon player, uh, last name Washington, defensive lineman, after the sack, he made the sack and then he was heading back to the bench and 30 yards to the play, like out around the 50, as he's heading back to the bench, he just stops, takes a bow, flag is thrown for taunting, automatic first down, Arizona goes in for the touchdown, and that was that. So, I mean, forced Oregon to go the length of the field, blah, blah, blah. So... Shocking call, AP.
4: Yeah, and you're wondering how he's feeling today after making that gesture and calling calling his team an opportunity.
2: Yeah, AP, it was one of the all-time, you know, in my estimation, one of the all-time body language. This guy was, you know, he's a good player, so he's kind of like all over the field. He made what, at that moment, was potentially the play of the game. It certainly kept him out of the end zone. And all of a sudden, you know, two, three minutes left, you're just thinking, oh, so... Mariota is going to drive them down the field for the winning score. That's what you're thinking, because they're only going to get a field goal. And the announcers pretty much said as much like they pretty much said right before the play, you know, right after the play, before the flag, like in that little 10-second window that, uh, you know, you you can't leave Mariota. You know, you got to score seven. You can't score three and expect to hold Mariota from going down the field with that Oregon offense, which – Fascinating statistic, 65% of their touchdowns come in under two minutes, which I thought was an amazing statistic. So, yeah, so when the sack happens, you're just thinking, well, they blew it. They're going to get a field goal, and then Oregon's going to take it down the field. It just felt that, and then boom. The flag was thrown, and it all changed, and his body language for the ensuing plays was just, you know, so bad. Uh, not, not, I mean, just so. Dis- he was just so disappointed or angry, all of those emotions. He knew, as the announcer said, he knew he had not only cost his team potentially the game, but maybe the national championship. It's crazy.
4: And, and John, earlier in that game, there was already a taunting penalty. Correct. Correct. So how, how many times do these young guys have to realize they're not the only show?
2: Yeah, the rules are the rules. I mean, it was a clear violation of the rule as it's written. But, you know, in the, in the same light, I just got to say it, you know, that if indeed, you know, that cost Oregon the national championship, I mean, it, it was 30 yards away from the play. More importantly to me, at least, in no way was it, you know, directed at an opponent. When I think taunting, right. I, I think, you know, you're, you're doing something to the opponent. And I realize it's the blanket word to cover that penalty, but, you know, he just literally took a bow,
4: nothing more. Right, right, John. You see all the defensive players. I mean, they get a lot of latitude. They, they get much more than the offensive players, I believe. And you're correct when you're saying it was so far away from the play and it wasn't really at someone specifically. So it was a unique call, and it, it's under the umbrella, but that's a mighty big umbrella.
2: <laughs> well said. <laughs> you, you just said it perfectly. Um, well, it's uh, again just what a way to really kick off the, uh, you know, the college football weekend. We're going to get into that certainly in the next segment. And let me just say, uh, you know, a school near and dear to our heart, University of Central Florida, won in an equally crazy fashion. In the early game last night, which was, you know, the Houston quarterback took him down the field, great run. UCF is up, and George O'Leary, their coach, who you and I met, of course, at the American Athletic Conference football media cookout down in uh, Newport, Rhode Island, in August, but that aside, um, the guy dove for the end zone, the quarterback for Houston, what would have been the winning score. Ten seconds to go, seven seconds to go, to be more specific. And, uh, yeah, he, you know, got hit right before he crossed the goal line. And rather than it be a fumble or whatever or just, you know, Houston ball at the one, one more play to go, win the game, it was. And it was a correct call. It was a touchback. And UCF got the ball and game over, Uh, you know the gift of all gifts. It was just a, a correct call, but just a crazy ending, to be sure.
4: Yeah, that was a heartbreaking play for that, that player, John. At the end of the game, you're giving your, your 100% effort, and it just turned against you. And You had a feel for, for him and the way that ended, because you thought it was going to be a touchdown and you know a game-winning touchdown at that.
2: And a tremendous run. I mean, you know, yeah. this guy's very athletic and... He he just literally broke down, and it was really nice to see his teammates rally around him. I mean, that was impressive, but he he was shattered, the quarterback who fumbled the ball. there There's no question. I mean, they were just showing it right in the sidelines. It was just sad. There's no other word to say.
4: Yeah, there was some pain going on, and I'm sure it'll be expended for a long time in his mind. He'll be thinking about that one play.
2: Yep, well, he and and Washington from Oregon certainly uh, are feeling the same way today. They're they're both feeling like they cost their team the game for obviously altogether different reasons, but nonetheless, uh, you know, they're both having a good, you know, a really tough day, and, you know, I feel bad for both of them. I really do. I mean, again, that Houston quarterback just... uh, He made such an athletic play, and by the way, you know, the, the fumble came because he you know he dove for the end zone from about the three or four it was like a tremendous you know jump into the end zone dive whatever you want to call it but he was hit like midair great defensive play the guy just nailed him at around the one and the way the ball just came out the correct call was touchback it was it was pretty crazy
4: You know, John, it was a fantastic effort by the offensive player trying to score and the defensive player to remain with the play. I mean, some people might have, you know, not given as good of an effort at the goal line, but it turned the game and won the game for, uh, you know, Central.
2: Yeah, well, the announcer said it all. George O'Leary has seen everything as a coach, and I've seen a lot. And the announcer said they, they're they pretty sure George O'Leary has never seen a game end that way. And I can certainly concur that I've never seen a game end quite that way. A touchback call on plays like that in any situation, in any league, are always, like, nebulous. Just tough to get your arms around. It always, no matter what game, no matter what stage of the game, it always comes as, like, a shocker. Because what... It, what happens is, it's obviously, the, a team is about to score. And then, all of a sudden, the other team has the ball. But to have it happen on the last play of the game, so to speak, was just really unique.
4: I've never seen it, John. And uh, I, I kind of hope I never see it again, really, because it's right. just heartbreaking.
2: It was. I agree. No doubt about it. Uh, well, again, as I said mega games scheduled for tomorrow in the world of college football of course a few of them are in the sec of which you are an expert ap so why don't we take our break and we're going to get into some of those games on the other side
0: Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN.
1: You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's one 346 9144 or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now, back to the show.
2: We're some American listeners. Welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports, and I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is one 888 346 or you can email me at IIR at Comcast.net. And on the line with us still is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And, A.P., we've been talking uh, the last couple of weeks about the state of Mississippi and their football teams. And lo and behold, Mississippi is unquestionably the football capital of the college football world tomorrow. It's uh, Yeah, John,
4: those are two humongous games. I, I think they had to go way back to the 50s before those teams were ranked this high and had the uh, you know big games in this same uh weekend in in the state
2: yeah well you know Ole Miss is uh you know been called by some as the best college football tailgating experience in the nation it's the grove uh ESPN's been doing a great job with they did some things with Google Earth yesterday where they like zoomed in on Oxford home of Ole Miss then zoomed in on Starkville home of Mississippi State they play Texas A&M tomorrow Ole Miss of course hosts Alabama and you know and then this morning they showed like the students rushing to get their spots for tailgating at the Grove which I guess is a very refined tailgating setting down there from everything I've seen I've never been there but uh you know, let's start there. Ole Miss, Alabama. You you cover Alabama. That's right in your wheelhouse. Uh, it looks like it's just going to be quite a scene there tomorrow. One of the it feels like the biggest game since Eli and before him Archie.
4: Yeah, I think so, John. The town is about twenty thousand, and you know, game day the stadium is about sixty thousand, and I think another twenty thousand would just be there to observe. So there's a hundred thousand people in a town of twenty. And yeah, I had I had a chance to visit it. with the Ole Miss athletic director on Monday at the wow. First and Ten Club in Mobile, and they're they're so excited to have game day there. And That's right, nationally oh, it's game ranked, day. and Alabama's in the top ten. Ole Miss is eleventh. So, it, it, what can you? What more can you ask for if you're an Ole Miss fan? Because um, I think the first game in Hugh Freeze's career, they were behind at halftime against Central Arkansas. So wow. who could ever envision? Yeah. So who could ever envision, not, not too many years later, national TV, eleventh ranked Ole Miss, uh, third ranked Alabama, being in one of the bigger games of the day.
2: Yeah. Well, let's not forget that just a couple of years ago, Ole Miss and you free shocked the nation by getting the number one college football recruiting class, uh, and with it, the number one. Recruit of the Year Robert Kimdiichi, at defensive end. Uh, he's going to have to come up big tomorrow against Blake Sims and and uh, Alabama's prolific offense. To put it mildly.
4: Yeah, Alabama's been on fire, John, with this Lane Kiffin offense, and especially Amari Cooper. It doesn't seem to phase him that everyone's trying to stop him. He's averaging uh, over ten receptions per game and. Uh, he seems to be the top receiver in the country, he, and even though everyone knows he's getting the ball.
2: Exactly. Yes. Uh, that's, that's what you call unstoppable. Um, yeah, it, it's going to be great. Um, you, now, you've been to Oxford, correct?
4: Yes, I sure have. And, and uh, that Grove is kind of a, a sophisticated tailgating at its best.
2: Now, what is uh, 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 as a fan of college football? Like, what exactly is it? Is it like white linen tablecloths? Is it like a certain type of food? All of the above. It looks like they get all dressed up, and guys are wearing blue blazers, blazers and bow ties, and women, of course, wearing nice dresses. It, it, what What am I missing, or what else is there that makes it so unique? Yeah, they have
4: the candelabras and candelabras, and okay. all those all those things that you mentioned and. And it's, it's just uh, the party is the, is the main thing that they, sometimes more than the football game.
2: So it's like a refined southern atmosphere, for lack of a better way of saying it. Is that, is that pretty much accurate?
4: Yes, and, and they're very hospitable, of course. Uh, that's always on display. If you're, you're walking through the Grove, and they're entertaining friend, family and friends. I mean, if you stop by, they're... They're certainly uh, asking you if you, you, can, you want the food and, and partake in all the, all the festivities.
2: Makes me want to get on a plane, AP. <laughs>
4: get down to Oxford. You know, it's
2: funny because when I was down in New Orleans for Super Bowl week a couple years ago, you know, I, I literally, I had one day where, uh, you know, I, I, I was in a position to take a day trip. So I'm looking around on the map, seeing, like, oh, now, where would I like to go if I want to get outside the city for a day? And that's exactly where I was looking at was Oxford, Mississippi. I was just thinking, you know, I'm well familiar with, you know, the legend of the t- the Grove and all that. And if anybody who's seen the movie Blindside, by the way, uh, you know, got a little dose of it as well. And, uh, you know, I didn't go. It, my plans changed. And uh, But, you know, that's how... Intrigued, I am by the place, and uh, obviously it wasn't—it was, you know, it wasn't even a college football Saturday, and I was still thinking about taking the trip. Uh, but yeah, it's—it's uh, going to be fun. Now, on the other hand, I'm guessing you've been to Starkville as well.
4: Yes, I have. Yeah, it's—it's it's more of a collegiate atmosphere, not as sophisticated, but it's a—it's a good time over there as well.
2: Yeah, well, they host Texas A&M. And uh, Kenny the Thrill Hill, Texas A&M quarterback, uh, when last seen by a national audience at least, uh, Mississippi State was doing something I don't know that I've ever seen anybody do to that degree, which was utterly trouncing, dominating LSU and Tiger Stadium. Uh, Their quarterback, Zach Prescott, uh, had an amazing game. The whole team did, though. I mean, what they did that night was about as serious an attention getter as you can get in in college football. Going into Death Valley and doing that to LSU in less miles, it was stunning. And now they're at home against Texas A and M, who has just been, you know, ripping it up offensively uh, as well. So. Another yeah, just another great game. It's going to be spectacular, and I think that one begins at noon, so that's going to be kind of fun.
4: Yeah, yeah, John. That Dak Prescott and Kenny Hill; those are two of the better quarterbacks in the league, and uh, I think Dak Prescott—he's he, like having a fullback when he's running downhill at you. He's big, six foot two, two hundred thirty pounds. He's not afraid to lower his shoulder, and I think he rushed for over a hundred yards in the last three games.
2: Yes. Yes. Uh, he has some great runs against LSU. And last night, uh, I believe at halftime or maybe the pregame, but Brian Greasy on ESPN's coverage of college football last night showed the signature play from the win over LSU, which was in effect identical to Johnny Manziel's famous play two years ago against Alabama, where he kind of spin away, sp- on away from the rush, went to his left, and threw a touchdown pass. Manziel's was more into the end zone, as we all remember, and, you know, that was his Heisman moment. Zach Prescott, you know, just had to flip it out to a guy who was completely wide open, who then, you know, literally jogged whatever, 30, 40, 50 yards for the score, but it was a, they they ran the play side by side. It was remarkable to see how similar the plays were. I mean, I, I didn't pick it up when I watched the game, uh, you know, play against LSU. But, I, I, you know, hats off to Brian Greasy. It, it was just a great, great analogy.
4: Yeah, those, those um, two quarterbacks, I mean, Hill Haley's leading the, the league in passing as a first-year starter. He's got 1,700 yards already, John.
2: Right. I, yes.
4: And, I mean, those are huge. And they're averaging over 50 points a game which is incredible
2: averaging over 50 points a game that's
4: that's correct 51 that's points
2: stunning 15. that's stunning i'm not a huge numbers guy that is a show-stopping figure to put it mildly that's that's like oregon scores 65 percent of their touchdowns in <laughs> under uh two minutes you know uh <laughs> that is remarkable wow well should be a fun one ap uh we still got some more huge games to go over, but why don't we take our break now and we'll talk about some of the other big games on the other side?
1: Your internet flagship
0: station for sports.
3: America
2: sports.
0: Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN.
1: You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now, back to the show.
2: Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. I'm your host, John Inglesby. And back on the line with us is AP Stedham of Bama Magazine. Before we get started, my pick of the weekend for appointment viewing, and it's a tough one with all that's going on. uh, But it's going to have to be Bengals Patriots on Monday night or Sunday night football. Uh, uh, I'm standing 20 minutes from Gillette Stadium. I will be going to the game, as I said at the top of the show. It feels like it's the Patriots' last stand. And by that, I mean the Patriots as we have known them for the last dozen years. It feels like it's all on the line Uh, this Sunday night. Bengals are undefeated. Excellent team. Uh, So I can't wait. I think the crowd is going to be the best crowd for a regular season game at Gillette Stadium in uh, years. So, AP, before we get back into college football, i got to ask you, what are you what's your you, you've you've lived up here in New England recently what's your thought on the Patriots and what you witnessed on Monday night and what you think uh could happen this sunday night
4: yeah john i I don't think I've ever seen um the Patriots have such a bad performance and uh you know you're wondering what can Tom Brady do as one of the better leaders in professional football to turn this around and so, if I was a New England Patriots fan, I'd definitely be at that game, if I could, uh, Sunday evening to, to find out what's going to happen against the Bengals.
2: It's going to be fun. Heard a statistic recently that Tom Brady, since 2006, is 49-3 and at home. Uh, I believe when they beat the Raiders, the game I was at a couple weeks ago, that, that would have made him 50-3, and I'm, I'm guessing. And... Uh, so they, if ever a team needed home cooking, it's this Sunday night's Patriots. But in the same light, after what we all witnessed on, you know, Monday night and what we've all been hearing all week long, uh, do the Patriots have the talent? It's not about home field. It's do they have the talent against a really good team to win this game? I, I think it's going to be absolutely fascinating to watch
4: anyone could pull out the magic, I mean, you have to bet with Tom Brady because his, you know, back is against a proverbial wall. So, um, you know, he doesn't have very more, many more years left in professional football, and this is a crucial point of the season. So, we'll see what happens.
2: Absolutely, yeah. Brady, uh, living here in Boston for many years as I have, I have never seen Brady getting beat up. Uh, by the media and the fans like he has been this week. I mean, I just didn't think it was possible and to have it happen in effect over what feels like overnight. um, It's been shocking to see. So uh, we're going to learn a whole lot about Tom Brady uh, that we don't, you know, we just haven't seen before come Sunday night. So I think it's just going to be just a fascinating evening over in Foxborough, to put it mildly. Speaking of fascinating, I just got to bring this up Uh, and Brady, you know, Brady, as we all know, is a Michigan man. Um, So he, like others, uh, not that he doesn't, he needs any distraction, but what's going on up at Michigan is pretty crazy with Grady Hoke and the kid being left in with a concussion, the quarterback and, you know, the student newspaper calling for the AD's ouster, and all leading to, like, a student protest in Raleigh. I mean, I'm looking literally at the Boston Globe, big picture. Fire Brandon, that's the, uh, that's the athletic director. Uh, not something we're used to seeing at the University of Michigan, is it, AP?
4: No, John, usually they have a pristine program, and everything goes fairly smoothly, except this coaching change they had the last time. But normally, Michigan is the gold standard for college football. They're the most winning program in the history of the game. But in this day and age, John, when you have all the video and, and all the scrutiny of the media and fans, you can't have a serious blunder on the sideline like what happened in the prior game.
2: You can't. You can't they did admit mistakes were made but you know it doesn't seem like anybody is being too forgiving of that that's for sure we all know America is a forgiving society but this struck a chord because it's you know it's a a concussion to you know a kid a college kid and boy it has really evoked unbelievable reaction and we just haven't seen anything like this
4: yeah when you're the you're the uh, grown-ups in the situation, and that uh, subject matter has been so prevalent uh, out in the media, and, and they're trying to focus on that issue. And then this, this happens to you in the game, and the quarterback's woozy, and he can barely stand up, and you, he left in the game and sent back in. I mean, what, what was the point of sending him back in after yeah, the first killed, time?
2: Mother- if you could right. put
4: the third-string quarterback in, he would have handed off just as well.
2: Yeah, they were getting crushed. It was somewhat noteworthy. It was not, you know, it was not uh, a close game. Uh, Yeah, it's just it's a head shaker. You know, one of those things in a seemingly endless list of things that you just can't help but ask, how does this stuff happen? (laughs) There's no, there's no other way to say it.
4: Right. I mean, that was the greatest fumble of the game. Correct. Uh, All this communication headsets. Medical training, you know, on the uh, fabulous doctors on the staff, and nobody, you know, when the time was right, it was your moment in the sun to make the decision. They just fumbled it away.
2: Correct. I know. Again, truth is, stang- truth is stranger than fiction. You, you can't make this stuff up because, especially in of all places, you know, the big house. It was in front of a 100- hundred plus thousand, although maybe less, given the attendance issues they're having suddenly. But uh, there's a lot of people there. Put it
4: that way. And, uh, and, and John, the other thing was, I mean, this happened to the quarterback. Correct. Right. Exactly. Wasn't the punter, left guard, uh, outside linebacker. It's your quarterback.
2: Very good point, AP. It just makes it, you know, again, all the more amazing. I mean, the cameras were on him ostensibly the assistant, you, know, you know, the coaching staff, all the assistants up in the booth, all of it are on him because he's the quarterback, I mean, obviously. Uh, yeah, just, just uh, again, really unbelievable. So, uh, and what's really weird, how often do you see, you know, the, the students and everybody calling for the resignation of the athletic director? Like, it's, it's settled on him. As much as, if not more than, Grady Hoke, which is just—it's just unusual. You don't see that very often.
4: No, no, you don't. And in this day and age, John, you rarely see students have the energy or, or uh, you know, make the effort to, to rally around a, an issue. Yeah,
2: this ain't 1969.
4: That's for sure. No, that's, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, you could the drop of a hat have a rally back in those days, but today. It's rare you get students to even take time from their own self-absorption.
2: Absolutely. Um, Well, let's just close it out with a little football, and we were talking at the end of the previous segment about LSU getting trounced in Death Valley Uh, this time, this weekend. Tomorrow they're on the road at Auburn. Um, You know they they have a lot to prove, and they're starting this freshman quarterback who. We've been hitting the statistics pretty heavy today, and we're under three minutes. Uh, This quarterback has seven possessions and seven touchdowns. Uh, Pretty interesting statistic there, I'd say, as he goes into Jordan-Hare Stadium.
4: (laughs) Yeah, that's that's a very good statistic, John. That's the quarterback's responsibility, prime responsibility, if I'm the head coach, to get him in the end zone. Uh, But I think that Auburn is going to be a little bit too much uh, at home. Uh, I'm impressed with Auburn's receivers, and and uh, Gus Malzahn always puts points on the board. So, in last year's, you recall, Auburn uh, got stomped by uh, the Tigers in Baton Rouge, and it it uh, elevated them to the next bunch of games to, to have a good run and to that championship game. So, um, although LSU's quarterback is playing well, I think it's going to be too difficult to to pull out a win at
2: Auburn. I agree. Yeah, Auburn is you know. Uh, elite and LSU looked anything but elite uh, a few weeks back uh, at home I might add um, another game that I just find intriguing is Stanford at Notre Dame intriguing game every year but with what Notre Dame and quarterback Everett Golson did against Syracuse last week uh, you know the, 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 that one's worth watching that's for sure
4: might be too much firepower uh, Notre Dame have, might have too much firepower for Stanford. Right. Uh, at right. This point.
2: So, yeah, this Everett Golson, you know, led him to the national championship a couple of years ago, obviously didn't play last year, and now he's back and he tied maybe or just missed the all-time completions in a row record. It was 23 in a row against Syracuse last week. That was that was an amazing thing to watch.
4: Yeah, I mean, that, that that's excellent uh he's he came back it had no noticeable uh, effect from his you know suspension and he's playing well and the and the team's uh you know responded to him coming back as the quarterback so i i think notre Dame is gonna win that game
2: i do too ap and hard to believe we are at the end of our show thank you as always for calling in your expertise is much appreciated
4: oh thank you john my pleasure
2: All right. enjoy watching all the games tomorrow and as always, thank you all for listening to All Around Sports and we look forward to doing it again next Friday at
1: 1pm Eastern Time. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10am Pacific Time, 1pm Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend and we'll talk sports again next week.